Deep in the night, your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed, you'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Well hello and welcome to another edition of Freaky Friday This is the last Friday of the month June 2023 is over And we're ready to get freaky today with these stories. It's the last day of the month to get freaky, everybody. So (laughs) live it up. Get freaky while you can. Get Hopefully where you're getting freaky is not sticky because we're getting freaky and sticky and we're leaving town. We got to leave town. We're going we're going to Boston. I'm going up north. I can't live like this. We're going to Boston, Brooklyn and D.C. Is it going to be any cooler? TBD. But at least it's not going to be any hotter. I was like, it's near the ocean. Surely it has to be better. (laughs) July 19th will be in Boston. July 20th will be in Brooklyn. And July 22nd will be in D.C., although we do understand it is both a metaphorical and physical swamp. So (laughs) not a lot of high hopes there. But we're bringing our full moon energy out on tour to get us out of nasty, swampy Texas and get up to the moon where it's Mm -hmm. the coldest of all. (laughs) That's where we need to go, honestly, if we're looking for better weather. We just got to go to outer space. Right, jump aboard. I saw Richard Branson is selling tickets, four hundred and fifty thousand bucks a pop, and he'll take you to space. Well, you know, if we've learned anything lately, it's if a rich man tells you get in this craft, it's totally fine. Spend five hundred thousand dollars to do it. Maybe get somebody just do a once over, do Dude, your due diligence, make sure it's safe. To kick the tires, as they say. <laughs> yeah. Get it. You know, yeah. have somebody just give it a once over. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going with Richard Branson, but who knows? Maybe someday. But we don't need to go to space to go somewhere amazing because we're all going to go into these stories today. Wow. I didn't know where you were going with that, quite <laughs> honestly. I thought you were still talking about the tour. And I was thinking you were like, we don't have to go to space because we're going to bring the moon to you on our <laughs> full are. moon energy tour where we, it's, it's moon centric, but we got phenomenon lore conspiracies true crime cryptids Cryptids. lots of cryptid stuff we've added several (laughs) new audience (laughs) participation bits in that are very fun oh we got if you have a family member that loves the moon lore somebody you love doesn't believe in the moon landing we'll convince them but which way Uh you tell me (laughs) tbd you got to come to find out Go to sinisterhood.com slash live shows to uh, get your tickets and information on venues and all that fun stuff. It's been so much fun. Oh, man. And we're looking forward to getting back out there and seeing everybody there. And seeing, we love the our VIP Q&A afterwards. People raise their hands. They'll share stories with us, ask us questions. And it's always amazing to put faces with names because we interact with so many of you on social media, on Patreon, on the show, via email. So it's always nice. Um, We've had people say, I sent in this story on Freaky Friday. And they were like, we remember that. So, yeah, yeah, if we we remember most of the stories we talk about. They're impactful. (laughs) So... (laughs) You could submit a story or maybe you have and then talk to us about it in person. It's a lot of fun. It'll be great. We can't wait to see y'all. In the meantime, we got some stories right here that you can just enjoy wherever you happen to be on this Friday afternoon or evening or whatever day you happen to be listening to this. Or it's a Thursday in 2025. If it is Friday before 2 p.m. Central Time, you still have time to... Get on our Patreon live stream. Every quarter we do a live stream of a topic that the Getting Into It patrons get to vote on. And we're doing some live Am I the Asshole? It's always fun. We get to interact with the chat. Everyone chimes in on what they think. We do polls like, asshole, everyone sucks here. What's going on? It's a super fun way for our international listeners to get to hang out, not at three in the morning with us. And (laughs) for an excuse for you to tell your boss, I have an appointment. Just say you have an appointment. Yes. It's true. And then if they ask what kind, you say, that's private. And then they can't argue with it or you can go to HR. 
If you say it's personal business and they say what? You say it's personal and it's none of your business. <laughs> and you keep, <laughs> keep going. It's a classic line this from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. conversation. You can see your way on out of it. Thank you. See your way on out of here to next Tuesday. Whoa. <laughs> then you're getting HR called on you. Don't do that. Don't. But yeah, technically it's like a Zoom call. You're interacting with us. We're talking to you. So it's I think so much you fun. have... You have an afternoon call this Friday. You do, you do. And if you need to like bill some hours or say you were doing work, just tell us what your job is. We'll ask you one work question. You can answer it. And then you're like, I was doing work. Yeah, I was actually telling someone about what we do here. And then there you go. We're all square. Mm -hmm. We got you. We got your back, guys. We've got you. So if it's before 2 p.m. Central Time on this Friday, the 30th, go to our Patreon, sinisterhood.com slash Patreon, and you can get all the information to sign up and join us. It's all there, the very first top post uh, to make it simple for you. Easy to go. All right. Well, in the meantime, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from Michelle, and it is called, I Live in a Murder House. Hey, ladies, I wasn't going to share this story, but after listening to the show with Em and Christine, where you guys were talking about if you could live in a murder house, I knew I had to. So let's get into it. As the title suggests, I live in a murder house. Did I know before moving in? Yes. How did I know? Because it happened in one of my mom's rentals. So not only did I know, I was getting a play-by-play as everything was happening. This took place in 2021 in a small town in Arkansas. Karen McFarland was an awesome human. I only met her a few times, but always loved chatting with her. She was kind, loving, funny, and rescued dogs. She used to tell my mom, I'm going to live here until I die. Foreshadowing? Karen also used to try and help these guys who just got out of prison. Yes, more than once. One of them was residing with her, helping my mom do some work while he was trying to get on his feet. Karen had a pre-existing relationship with this guy where she had filed a restraining order, but she had a heart of gold and wanted to help. She was adamant that they were not dating, but she was just helping him. Well, I guess he didn't get the memo. If she was trying to leave one night, he shot her in a jealous rage, twice according to the police reports, in the dining room. He then wrapped her body and put her in the shed next to the house, took off in her car, and was picked up for a parole violation when he didn't check in. Well, it wasn't long before people realized Karen was missing. The police wouldn't get involved until the third day because she was an adult. Cool, right? The house was immaculately clean, so it didn't appear any foul play had taken place. It wasn't until the cops got a judge to sign off on searching the shed that anyone knew the true magnitude of what had happened. The perpetrator quickly confessed to what he did and was recently sentenced to 57 years. He's 54. I haven't mentioned his name because he doesn't deserve any more attention. Karen was an amazing human who should be remembered. She didn't deserve what happened to her, although she did live in the house until she died, as she said. She had a great sense of humor, and she would have found the irony in that amusing. Anyway, so my husband and I moved into the house in 2022. It took a bit of convincing to get him to move there. All we had at the time waiting for our stuff to arrive was a bed on the floor of an empty house. In the middle of the night, we heard cabinets opening and closing in the kitchen. My husband popped up and yelled, what the fuck was that? I laughed hysterically and told him it's just the cats. Are you sure? He snapped back in a mild panic. Yeah, I'm sure. I've reassured my husband that if Karen is still in the house, she's playing with the dogs and maybe playing a few harmless practical jokes. She's welcome as long as she likes. The whole thing freaks my husband out and we aren't even allowed to talk about it. He hates it when people ask me about it. Side note, shortly after we moved into the house, we adopted a dog whose name is Ghost. My husband quickly informed me I was only allowed one joke in regards to a ghost in the murder house. Here's a link to the story if you're interested. Thanks for reading. I don't really know how to end this because I'm not a writer. I feel like I should say something cool, but we'll just go with peace sign emojis. If it didn't show up, there is a peace finger emoji. I love that in parentheses it was clarified. (laughs) It did show up, but I thought it was funny, so I still read the parentheticals. But yeah, imagine if it uh, didn't. (laughs) Yeah, true. 
That's true. Um, we did on the episode with Emma Christine that we did, we talked about could we live in a house that we knew a violent crime had been committed? And I think we all said no, but yeah. sometimes, you know, if you knew the person and you knew that they were a good person. And so if any energy is left behind that, you know, you know, Karen's great, that might change it a little bit, or it could also make it way harder that you can't live in the home of someone that you knew than you loved and they met a violent end. Yeah, I think you're right. That first version of framing is really good of like, I appreciate you taking care of this house, Karen. I'm really sorry that it ended as badly as it did, but I will now take care of this house in your stead. And you're like she said, you're welcome to stay as long as you want because you know it was a good spirit. And like you said, Michelle said, it's playing playing on dogs, playing practical jokes, you know, maybe freaking out your husband a little bit because she knows he's <laughs> jumpy. <laughs> But it's cool to have that rapport and at least even if it's not really her, just having a good energy about it because you do know, mm -hmm. you know, who the person was in their life and appreciating them for who they were. Yeah. And I think she would be appreciative that someone that cared about her is taking over her house that she knows is going to take good care of it. Yeah, especially she wanted she planned on living there forever. And mm -hmm. if it can really happen in the afterlife, it sounds like she's happy. There you go. Well, thank you, Michelle, for sending that in. This next one is from Christine, and it's called Always Dangerous for Women. Hey, ladies, I know you hear this all the time, but I absolutely love your show. I started listening when your episodes were still in the 20s and was hooked immediately. You're hilarious while being respectful and compassionate. Anyway, I have one sort of story and one actual story. Since you started the Freaky Friday episodes, I've noticed a lot of women writing in about close calls or just generally made to feel uncomfortable by men. In my early 20s, I lived alone in San Antonio. This was in 2001 before everyone had cell phones, and I also didn't have a car, so I rode the bus everywhere I needed to go. This often involved riding at night. I worked until 8 or 9 at night, and it was usually an hour to an hour and a half bus ride to my apartment. I had to transfer buses downtown, and like I said, was alone for this journey. Men would constantly harass me. It didn't matter if I was dressed up for work or in my punk slash goth regular clothes. Men would sit next to me at the stop and ask personal questions. Tell me to smile more. Ask me out. Proposition me. A few men whipped off their dicks as if that was something I needed to see at a bus stop. Men would pull over in their cars and try to get me to catch a ride with them. I regularly lied and told them I was underage hoping that would get them to back off. And sometimes it worked. I also would tell people that my dad was a cop. A total lie, but it seemed to help. One time a man even followed me to my apartment door, trying to get me to hook up with him. Luckily, my apartment building was in a U-shape and the doors were all close together and my loud voice brought out curious neighbors. I don't know what would have happened without them. Men of this world... I hope since you are listening to this podcast, you aren't the type of men to act like this, but call out the men you know that do this. Women, don't be afraid to get aggressive if needed. Be rude. Make a scene. I didn't know this back then and spent a lot of my time timid and afraid. My second story is much shorter. During this same time period, I dated a guy that was on parole for drug charges. I had exceptionally bad taste back then, but I was also naive and wanted to believe his story of changing. We dated for about nine months, and I later found out that during our time together, he had broken into a restaurant to steal their kegs, had broken into the apartment under us, was cheating on me the whole time, and was also using cocaine. A real winner. We broke up and I kept his cat, a little run-of-the-glitter kitty named Ashes. About five years later, I was watching the news and heard his name. He had been arrested for trying to beat his pregnant girlfriend to death with brass knuckles. He went over to her apartment and started hitting her as soon as she opened the door, with no explanation or warning. Yes, he was on drugs at the time. I guess I'm lucky that it ended when it did. My bad taste in men didn't get better for another five years or so, but then I met the love of my life, a man that doesn't even like to hurt spiders. Luckily, that's the closest call to true crime I've had, and I've known many women can't say the same. My heart goes out to my ex's girlfriend and her baby and any other woman that's had to experience something similar. I'll end this by saying, keep up the wonderful work you ladies do, Christine. 
Well, that's something so eerie when you think, oh, man, I'm so glad he was out of my life. And that name pops back up in the news and it's you know, worst case scenario. Yeah. And you think, how close was I to something like that? I, mm-hmm. uh, From the sound of it, it sounds like um, the woman and her the, the pregnant girlfriend survived. So I hope that she ended up recovering physically and is getting help for that emotionally as well. Yeah. yeah, that's that's real rough. It's also real rough too. You can't even go to work without being worried somebody's going to whip their dick out at you. Right, you can't ride the bus. It happened. That happened a lot to me in Chicago. Guys sitting right up next to me and being like, "Hey, what are you doing later?" Hey, and especially if you're in a window seat and then they sit in the aisle seat and you're blocked in, you know, there's a seat directly in front of you, a seat behind you, and they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And and like she said, what's important is that the men that see that go, oh, hey, actually, let me, excuse me, I'm going to sit there. You know, something like that, where they, they, if someone's standing too close to a woman and they see the woman looking uncomfortable and like elbowing them in the ribs and going, oh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to run into you. But really, it's just kind of a wake up call, like, hey, buddy, get away from her. And I like that. We talked about in the Kitty Genovese episode, the, uh, it used to be called a different thing, but it's called Right to Be Organization. And they do that training of like what to do in public to safely intervene where you're not going to incur someone's wrath, but you can make it look like an accident. But, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I spilled my coffee right mm-hmm. in front of you to get that person to get away. And at least and it, it also lets them know like, hey, I see you. Yeah, so, I'm watching just you. Just to let you know, I'm aware that you're here. And I think gives a little signal to the person distressed that like, I got eyes on this too. If you need any help, like let me know. So yeah, seeing something, saying something for sure, because the more men that stand up for those types of things, then it's like, you know, eventually Mm -hmm. there's a tipping point and hopefully it's no longer the norm to act like that. Yeah, exactly. It's more the norm to step up. I remember the Freaky Friday story we had a long time ago. It might have been one of the earliest ones where she was on the train and somebody was following her and that woman was like, oh, let me give you this yeah. tea bag. And yes. it's like she didn't know her and it's like, oh, hey, walk with us. And just something like that can the save somebody's said, life. he's following you, didn't it? Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. A, a message on it. And then wa- it offered to walk with her up to the top, up to the surface. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that where you can just say like, hey, honey, let's let's go see if this person needs help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's important. Well, thank you, Christine, for sharing those stories with us. Sinisterhood will be right back. This next one's from Misty, and it is called The Motherfucker in the Attic. Picture it, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 2022. It was two days after Christmas, and I had just gone to bed with my one-year-old and six-year-old after a long day of playing with their Christmas presents cleaning up after them, playing with more Christmas shit, and cleaning up again. Just after my two little bed-hogging garbage gremlins had finally drifted off to sleep, my husband, who had just gotten off work, barreled through our bedroom door, 90s boy band hair swaying to and fro with the frantic side-to-side movement of his body. I could tell something had him triggered, but I was not about to hop out of bed to chew his head off and risk waking those two slumbering cherubs, who were surprisingly still asleep. I was about to get pissed, as it usually takes me for fucking ever to get the kids to sleep on my own. On top of that, my lovely other half has extreme anxiety. The smallest movement of passersby in front of the house in broad daylight can set him off. So I knew whatever he was flipping out about was likely not a big deal, and that he was most definitely overreacting. Then, he leaned over to me and whispered, There's someone in our attic. Um, excuse me, bitch? He dashed to the closet in our bathroom, failing to shut the damn light off as to keep the kids asleep. And then I heard the metallic slide and click of the magazine going into his gun. He bolted from the bathroom door, still ignoring the light, and made a beeline for our garage. I lay there in silence for the next few minutes, with a tiny baby foot shoved into my fat cheek, the kind on my face, not my butt. My six-year-old was currently shoving his back into that part. And then I heard it the bang of our attic door slamming down on the garage floor. I waited for the sound of it retracting back into the ceiling, signaling that hubby really did overreact and that perhaps he really just heard a raccoon or an opossum scuttling around up there. But that sound never came. My own anxiety really started heightening at this point, and just when I thought all had gone silent due to a lack of incident, I heard the pop-pop of a gun. 
Was it our gun? Was it the intruder's? Did my husband just kill a guy in our tiny overpriced rental house in the worst part of the city? Did this intruder just kill my husband? Am I a widow? Are my kids fatherless? I was too terrified to get up and put myself and the kids at risk to go check. I could call 911, but my phone was out in the kitchen charging. I'd have to get up and walk out there, one room away from where this dude was chilling in our attic, just to call for help. I mustered up my courage. I was going to run as quickly as I could to the kitchen, grab my phone, and book it back to the bedroom, where I'd lock the door and hide us away until safety arrived. Just as I pulled the blanket off to get up, I heard the garage door that led into our kitchen slam shut. All I could do was rush to the bedroom door to shut and lock it. Just as I was ready to do so, my husband walked quietly into the room, into the bathroom closet to lay the gun down, and back to the bedside to tell me, He'd shot at the guy, but that he managed to flee right back out the same attic vent he most likely entered through. The good news was that the cops had our neighborhood surrounded. The chopper was in the sky searching, but he was out of sight. I checked the public arrest records the next morning to see if he'd been caught, which he luckily had. He was booked on drunken DUI, assault of an officer, and evading arrest. I saw nowhere in the report that he'd been charged with breaking and entering, even though my husband did report it to the police that evening. Regardless, his bond was set to a low enough amount that he could easily get out soon. And the worst part about it? He lived down the street from us. Yep, four houses down to be exact. So why did he choose our house to hunker down in? We could have easily gone to his own home? I'll never know. The good news is that we got the hell out of there as quickly as possible. We finally purchased our own home just outside the city where we live happily with our two dogs, Kevin the Pug and Arnold the German Shepherd, and a whopping crime rate of zero incidents per year. Our realtor told us about a website where you could check this out by typing in your address, and boy, did it come in handy. In hindsight, this shouldn't have been as surprising as it was. The area we lived in was well known for its crime rate, but the neighborhood itself was new. And are you ready for this? Across the street from a police station. We had also had our garage broken into twice before this incident. When we decided to break our lease after the douche canoe broke into our attic, we did so citing safety concerns as our reason. But did that stop our landlord from charging us the $2,000 lease breaking fee? Of course not. In fact, when we discussed it with them, they simply said, yeah, well, crime happens everywhere. Dick bags. Keep it creepy, ladies. Love, Misty. That is so gut-wrenching that your husband you think he's kind of he's goofy he probably just heard a raccoon and the silence followed by the pop pop Mm-mm. just sandwiched between your kids like well lord i hope he got him well or, or in that moment it's schrodinger's attic you don't know yeah. who got shot at and yeah, you know who got who god that's yeah. eerie the neighbor yeah. too yeah i have to i i'm hoping that I assume since he got a DUI, he was very intoxicated and was just out of his head and, you know, maybe thought it was his own house or just it. We've all been super drunk to where we're like, oh, yeah, I should just crawl in this person's attic to take a nap. (laughs) Sounds like a great idea at this time. But the problem is in an area, especially where there's a lot of crime, there's a good chance you're going to get somebody coming up those attics with a gun. Yeah, with some, if a gun, a hammer, a bat, I don't know, you know, you're in not your own house. Go in through the front door so you can make sure that the numbers on the front match Mm -hmm. the numbers on your ID. That's usually like the best, best way to go about it. But that's just, and it's very frustrating to have the landlord say, well, crime happens everywhere. And sadly, that's the law, at least in Texas, that unless it's a certain type of a crime, like stalking, sexual violence, family violence, there's very narrowly drawn because, yeah, there there is a lot of crime. And I think victims should be able to leave. But unfortunately, the legislature thinks, well, if we let everybody leave when a crime happens, then everybody leave. And it's like, well, maybe that's not such a bad thing. Yeah, to force, maybe to that's the problem we should be addressing, not like, <laughs> well, we can't just let everybody have their money back. Instead, why is so much crime happening? Exactly. Yeah. Chicken or the egg. Fix mm-hmm. one of them. But yeah, that's how it stands right now. So man, two grand to say, really? Because I literally had to chase an intruder out of my house where my children were at home. Yeah. And they the just kids shrugged. definitely amp up the fear factor in that for sure. 
Well, I'm glad 100%. you got out of there because what an awkward thing to have to run into him just while you're out getting your mail. <laughs> That's my awesome. God. That like, hey, you guys almost shot me. Yeah, you wandered into my attic. Yeah, don't. <laughs> That's what very a hard awkward. thing to do. Because yeah, an attic vent would be on the roof, right? So do you have to crawl on the roof to do this? That's what I was wondering, or, yeah, it must have been, or, you know, some houses, if the, depending on the location of the air conditioner, you can kind of boost yourself up onto the roof. Some people use those outdoor units, Mm -hmm. and then if there is some sort of event situation up on the roof once you're up there, yeah, they may, he maybe was on the run and was like, oh, shit, I see a vent up there, and just hop, 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 like, parkouring himself up there. It's also very dangerous, because you don't know once you get in a vent thing, if you're going to get stuck, what's in there, like, that's a terrible idea. Yeah, what's on the other side? We've seen it in a movie a thousand times. You're yeah. trying to escape the bad guys. Not everybody's in the Bruce vent. Willis, so don't think you're going to crawl through all these vents. And even he had problems. We all yeah, remember the rat. Right through, and the mm-hmm. bad guy's right there. Yeah, so don't do it. And we're very glad, Misty, that uh, you and your family got out and found a great home now. And she can live peacefully, I hope. Home sweet home. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this next one is from Charlotte, and the subject line is, my parrot had a story to tell. So I've only been into podcasts for a couple of years, and yours is the only one I follow religiously. Thank you for reporting everything completely objectively. I also want to thank you for your support of the LGBTQIA community. I have a couple of stories I want to share, but this is the first one and the most interesting. I've changed my name and all the other human and avian names, so there's no consequences to anyone. I've experienced domestic violence in my past, so I see how sensitive these situations are. I do not want to cause any issues for the people involved. In 2001, I acquired my first parrot. We'll call him Ricky. He's a silly, beautiful Senegal who yells, hey, baby, and I love you all the time. Parrots are like tattoos. You can't have just one. I subscribed to the premier parrot magazine of the time and joined many parrot discussion boards. Remember, This is in the early 2000s, so technology was different. Yes, I received paper magazines in the mail that I would read from cover to cover. I started looking out for an African gray parrot to buy or to adopt, as those are the most intelligent parrots one can own. I like African species of parrots since they're talkers and mimickers, but not screamers, and will not chew through your walls like the South American macaws, conyers, and cockatoos. I watched the online classified ads, yes, that was a thing, and there was no Craigslist, and found an African gray nearby. I contacted the owner and was interrogated on the phone. He seemed most interested that his parrot goes to someone who only wanted a pet and did not want a cheap African gray to breed. I assured him I had no interest in breeding parrots, as I had already learned that this is a fragile and time-consuming process. I simply wanted a highly intelligent, cool bird. I was invited to their house to meet Miranda, the African Grey. My partner at the time went with me. We met Miranda and Bo, the other parrot that was also for sale. The wife seemed very sad and withdrawn through the entire process. I really felt bad for her. The man told me they are moving out of state for his job and they can't take the parrots with them. Sounds simple enough. It's difficult to move states away with exotic pets. During our meeting, Miranda was talking to Bo and the doggies and cat who also lived in the home. Whew, these are a lot of names to substitute, but again, I don't want to cause anyone any backlash for my storytelling. I've lost contact with these folks, so I have no idea if they may hear this. Here's some good substitute names. The dog's names were Macbeth, Juliet, Elizabeth, and the cat's name was Wild. While we're throwing out names, let me give you the couple's names, Dave and Cindy. Dave decided I was the perfect person to adopt Miranda, the African Grey. But since she seemed so attached to Bo, I offered to buy both. Fast forward to a couple of weeks later when I brought Miranda and Bo home. Moving intelligent parrots is scary. An African Grey will die if you look at it wrong. So I knew once I got Miranda and Bo to my house, it may take a couple weeks for them to get comfortable. Nope, I was completely wrong. Miranda quickly started talking. The first night, the conversation came from Miranda. She suddenly yelled in a woman's voice, Dave! 
Then, in a man's voice, she said, What? Next, in a woman's voice, Miranda yelled, You're a fucking idiot! I could not believe what I had just heard. I called my mom and put the phone on speaker. Miranda continued to talk to her former canine and feline siblings. I was quickly able to tell that Macbeth and Juliet were the bad dogs, while Elizabeth was the sweet girl, and Wilde got on everything he wasn't supposed to be on. This went on for a long time. It was cute to hear Miranda talk to the dogs, Cat, and Bo, but it was very disturbing to hear the verbal and possibly physical abuse that occurred between Dave and Cindy. There were many times I would verbally witness replays of a man yelling horrible, abusive things and a woman screaming with dogs barking in the background. Miranda would verbalize the various scenarios that involved screaming and sounds of violence between her previous owners. African Greys are perfect historians. This was in 2002, and I'm still affected by it. I don't know whatever happened to Dave and Cindy. I kept in contact with Cindy for a couple months, but she stopped answering emails. Thankfully, Miranda stopped verbalizing what she learned in her previous life. She has retained her favorite word, fuck, and she uses it in many contexts. She loves to tell her current canine siblings to fucking shut up. Miranda, Bo, and Ricky are all still living the parrot dream ages at 23, 23, and 22, respectively. I hope to have them all for many years to come. Fuck! Oh, man. I realize 100% I can never own a parrot. I can't have something yeah. repeating back to me the shit I say all day. I, you would know I, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to know how I sound. No, because what it would be very clear also, like, well, Kate did this, Petal did this, <laughs> Simon's known for this, Ella did this, and fuck would absolutely be said quite a bit. You're, that bird's going to be like, babe, babe, <laughs> oh, babe, chapstick, yeah. chapstick, diet coke, diet coke. Birds bees, birds bees. <laughs> so good. But That's, uh, on the more serious side, it's yeah. very sad that this parrot, one, was in a house where, you know, animals pick up on stuff like that, even mm -hmm. if they're not the ones being abused, like to be around it, it, you know, it's just fascinating that they are these historians that can capture this stuff and then other people witness it third hand and it's just or third wing. <laughs> and <Beak>. it's, uh, <laughs> it's just, it's really eerie and haunting to, you know, you're getting this like pulled back behind the curtain, behind closed doors view of someone's life that you didn't really want to know about. Right. And you always hope the part of somebody's life you don't see is happy and lovely, or at the very least trouble is navigated in a respectful and kind way and to have having met with the people and noticing the woman's affectation mm -hmm. noticing that she's kind of quiet and sad and him saying like well, we have to move we have to get rid of these birds and you know if you see they're kind of attached to them any any of those things you can take as an implication of like maybe this cindy woman isn't very happy but then to take the birds home and to have a ostensibly an audio recording evidence that she wasn't happy that's a it's it's a heart wrenching thing that you're yeah. like at least Miranda and Bo the birds are out of that environment and are safe and are not having to be subjected to being screamed at all the time. Hopefully, Cindy is also out of it. Yeah. I wonder if Dave. Well, a lot of times abusers, I mean, they will uh, hurt the animals of the person that they're abusing, but or they don't want them to have the things that they love and make them feel secure. Mm -hmm. I also wonder if. If he's like, I'm tired of hearing this bird repeat back to me all the shit I'm saying. Uh, so we're getting rid of him. Right. Like, I don't want to hear it back to me. I don't want to. Because she can say, you remember when you said that to me? I never said that. And the bird's like, she's like, and can Margaret or what was its name? She's like, Miranda, I need right. you to come uh, repeat back to us the notes, the minutes right? from like the past day. A stenographer in the room. But mm hmm. Good for you for taking care of those sweet, sweet birds, yes. Charlotte. And thank you so much for sharing this story with us. Absolutely. Sinisterhood will be right back. This next one is from Jess, and the subject line is, Am I a ghost whisperer? Hello, ladies. 
I'm late to the Sinisterhood world as I only found out about you a few months ago. This has been wonderful because it's allowed me to binge listen, starting from the earliest ones available. I'm now caught up to 2022, and I'm already starting the grieving process that I will not have a show every single time I'm alone in the car. Needless to say, I stand, y'all. I have a few ghost stories for you. I am one of those people who goes to a psychic fair, and the psychics tell me I am one of them. Most directly, I went to see Maureen Hancock, a psychic medium in Massachusetts, in her Postcards from Heaven reading. Honestly, you should plan your Boston or Rhode Island tours around seeing her. It's phenomenal. And she said to me, you're a little psychic bitch, aren't you? This has led my dad to consistently try to have me hone my skills to get into the business. But he also tried to start a cult, so he's not exactly someone I trust with human decisions. The thing is, she was correct. I started seeing spirits when I lived in my grandmother's house between the ages of 13 and 16. I come from a very big family. My dad has 12 brothers and sisters, and unfortunately, my Aunt Cheryl died when I was 8 or 9. I only knew her as a sick person, but even then, she was funny and loving. One night, when I was sleeping in my attic bedroom, I rolled over and opened my eyes. There, at the foot of my bed, was Cheryl. She was not as I ever knew her. She was young and in a late 70s, early 80s clothing style. I said, oh, hi, Cheryl, and turned over and went back to bed. Then I jolted up. What the fuck did I just see? I was confused, but not scared. From then on, I often felt Cheryl's presence, and it brought me comfort. One of my aunts told me a similar experience and that many of her siblings had seen spirits. Over the years, I kind of lost my touch, though I could sometimes feel a presence when it was around. Luckily, these have all seemed to be benevolent presences. Eventually, I got a little more serious, became a lawyer, worked on anti-discrimination work, and my work caused me to be constantly surrounded by horrible stories of things that happened to people, discrimination, sexual assault, etc. And I was becoming very callous. Plus, I was living in Florida, which is a hell pit for a lot of reasons, especially if you believe in basic civil rights. The overall toll on my mental and emotional health was great, and in my 30s, I fully lost my sense of wonder. The overall toll on my mental and emotional health was great, and in my 30s, I fully lost my sense of wonder. In my late 30s, I got into yoga and eventually became a teacher. I found myself at a hella crunchy studio and began getting interested in things like Reiki, energy work, and most importantly, started to let myself wonder again. I became more open to the idea that we're universally connected and started paying more attention to people and the world with an open heart instead of a battered and weary heart. Cheryl started coming back, and I became more attuned to Ghost. This year, on my 41st birthday, I decided to go extreme woo-woo crunch. I booked myself a past life regression session, a Reiki session, and a tarot session. It was wild. They were all so pointed and interconnected. The most shocking thing was this. Both my Reiki practitioner and my tarot reader said my spirit guide was switching from a younger woman, I translated as my aunt, to an older grandfather figure. The tarot reader told me he basically told me to cut the shit and move out of Florida. That is definitely something my grandfather would say. So now, grandpa's my spirit guide and he has just helped me in a big way. We did move and we just bought an old house in Maryland. We have a Gladys neighbor who's given us all the dirt. So I know that the old woman who lived here had dementia and her adult children kind of rotated who took care of her. I do not know if she died on property, but I have a feeling she did. The house had been in either her or her husband's family since it was built, and they were heavily connected to the church on the corner, holding socials for the men here while the women worked away in the church preparing meals, etc. When I came to look at the house, I loved it. It's weird, old, and at the time it didn't feel haunted. I saged when I got here, asking for any negative energy to be cleared. On the second night sleeping here, I awoke to three gentle knocks on my door. Now, I know y'all have talked about this being demonic. However, I do think a kind spirit would also do this to let us know they were lingering, so we aren't freaked out by every little creak and crack of an old house. Anyway, it freaked me out a little. 
but I relaxed shortly as I did not feel threatened. In the morning, I told my husband, well, I think the house is haunted. And he said, I know, I heard someone walking around upstairs yesterday. The house is small with just two rooms and a bathroom upstairs. One is a guest room, one my office. The ghost hangs in the guest room. I am very sure she was the previous owner of the house. About a week later, I was on a Zoom call in my office. As I was looking at the screen, I saw that the person my coworker and I were interviewing kept flashing out, and my picture was being superimposed into her face. It was flashing fast and took me a minute to realize I was looking at my partner, normal, me, normal, but interviewee was switching between her face and my face. I turned off my camera and mic and loudly said, stop. You are not welcome in here. You cannot mess with this call. It stopped, and I didn't have any issues after. Every time I went upstairs after that, I would say, hello, good morning. I'm not ready to see or communicate with you today just to prevent any unwanted experiences. Most houses I've lived in have had a spirit hanging around. I'll try to attach a picture I have from my last house that happened when my Polaroid went off by accident. Like spiders, I tend to take the you stay out of my way, I'll stay out of yours approach to living with ghosts. However, this ghost was becoming more persistent. On Wednesday night of this week, I heard her call to me. No TVs were on, and it was definitely a woman's voice. I immediately started looking up how to get rid of a ghost. One article I saw, I am not kidding that it was from the University of Western Ontario, said that sometimes ghosts just don't always know that they're dead and just need help. I started thinking if she has dementia, she may be confused. And it made me so sad and gave me the courage to address the ghost problem head on. Yesterday morning, I had some meetings out and got home around 2.30 p.m., Once home, I took a deep breath, grabbed some sage and a lighter, and headed upstairs. I stood in the guest room and said, I know you are probably confused and sad. I've made changes to your home and you cannot see your kids. That is because you died. I promise to do my very best to take care of the home that you and your family lovingly built. You deserve rest and happiness, so you must go to wherever y'all go. Please leave my home. Then I called on my grandfather and asked him to assist the former owner in finding her way to where she was supposed to be. I saged and asked for the negative and stuck, big miss last time, energy to move along and leave the house. Immediately, the house felt lighter. Last night, I went to see some comedy in D.C. David Cross, what a dark, dark, hysterical man. When I got home, I came upstairs and said, If you're still here, would you knock on my door again tonight? No knocks. I'm back upstairs now, and the air feels different, normal. I think she's gone for good, and I hope she's at peace. I can't wait to see you all in D.C. this summer. I missed the VIP tickets. I wasn't paying attention, but I'm sure it will still be a great show. Thanks for reading. Thanks for always asking pronouns and paying attention to disparities. Y'all are doing some good equity work, and the more voices that regularly integrate issues of justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, the more likely we will eventually get over this shit show of a hump that is current American politics. Here's Maureen's website, and attached you will find my accidental ghost picture and my beautiful Aunt Cheryl. Well, I think you did a very sweet thing by, uh, you know, just giving a little... You got to, you don't have to go home. Well, actually you, you got to go somewhere. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. You know what I mean? Like wherever y'all go, you got to go. But, um, feeling lighter afterwards sounds like it works. I think so. And I think approaching anything, any type of conflict, even if it's an interdimensional, inter, you know, supernatural conflict of not saying, well, I'm going to get Zag Bagans to come in here and kick the door down and scream at this ghost. It's like, perhaps the spirit is a little confused, whether it was the owner or somebody else of like, hey, an older lady used to live here all the time. And who are you? You know, it's Mm -hmm. whether it's the former owner or whatever, but just addressing it in a spiritually open and kind way of like, this is our space. You are not welcome here. Like, you don't have to go in and be like, hey, everybody, Mm-mm. what are you doing in my house? So I think regardless of who you're speaking to, doing so with respect and kindness is always the way to go about it. 
Absolutely. You know? <laughs> Always the way to go about it. Well, I love, uh, Jess, that your Aunt Cheryl is taking care of you and your grandpa is taking care of you and your, the photo you included of her. I think I would not be startled either. You know, if you wake up and see her just watching over you and you're like, oh, hey, Cheryl. Hey, wait, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. What did I just see? And then the but. ghost picture, it's a it's a blurry pick. You know, I mean, who knows what we're looking at here? Uh, to me, if you're going, what is it, paradoilet? Like, I'm making the... the Images with oh, my yeah? head, it sort of looks like a person with a necktie taking a selfie, like two arms around each side, a head in the middle, and a necktie, and there's someone behind them. But it's also the blurriness of a Polaroid picture, which I'm trying to see what you're seeing. Where would the necktie be? That black line in the center of the photo, I feel like that's the necktie. So use the black line in the center to center yourself, and then to the left, the black and to the line right. that's going down, yeah, like up and down. Oh, a necktie. I see it now. Okay. I was thinking a bow tie, and that's why I was confused. No, but you said necktie. That was on me. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, two arms outstretched with a necktie and a head. Yeah, Yeah. I was, at first I was thinking the dark lines above the thing you're saying is a head was the head. So we'll post it on on our Instagram, and you guys can all take a look and see what you think. Tell us what you think. Well, thank you, Jess. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Sinisterhood will be right back. And this last one is from Shelby. And uh, I'm not sure if you'll be able to hear him, but it fireworks have begun in my neighborhood because it's spitting distance of a national oh, holiday. Man. Where you could blow anything up. But I think Are you sure it's fireworks? Because I like to play the fun game of fireworks or gunshots. Who knows? <laughs> Around here, celebratory something. Hopefully it's celebratory. Regardless, I like to think it's fireworks given this next topic. I feel like this needs deserves fanfare. This is why they fanfare. started. This is why yeah, they, they started. <laughs> they knew it was time mm-hmm. for the subject line, does corn skull qualify as a cryptid? Hello, you lovely ladies. First off, thank you for sharing the beauty that is sinisterhood with the world. Christy and Heather, I love the attention that y'all bring to the lesser-known cases that are often overlooked in the true crime world and your enthusiasm for kooky cryptids. Also, as a northern Louisiana native, it brings me great joy to hear your southern accents all over the speakers in my car and makes me feel right at home. I recently graduated from college with a degree in history, and I'm about to go to grad school, which is a really long way to say that I have a special appreciation for the level of research that you guys put into each episode. Now... On to the freakiest of Friday stories. Ladies, let me tell you the tale of the corn skull. Yep, you read that correctly. The corn skull. By now, you're probably asking yourself, what is a corn skull? So please, let me describe it to you. The main character of this tale is Cornelius, a decorative skull made in the likeness of corn, not a cob of corn composed of skulls. Picture is attached. Please share. The next logical question to ask is not why the corn skull, because that much is obvious. Why not the corn skull? No, no, the next question is how did you get a corn skull? Followed by what does this have to do with Freaky Friday? These are great questions, so please let me tell you. It all began when my best friend, henceforth referred to as BFF, and I took a road trip to the Van Gogh Immersive Experience in New Orleans. Side note, it was super cool. 10 out of 10, recommend. On this road trip, we stopped at a gas station in south-centralish Louisiana. I ran in to get a cup of ice, and when I was paying at the register, I looked to my left to see some interesting home decor. Most of it was wacky, morbid, and overall pretty cool, but one piece stood out against the rest. Amongst the gothic skeleton snow globes and ghoulish ashtrays was a ceramic figurine that looked like a normal skull at the bottom and a cob of corn at the top. This, my friends, is the corn skull. Naturally, I asked the cashier about it because how can you see a corn skull and not ask of its origins? She didn't know too much, only that a vendor brings in, quote, all that strange stuff once every couple of weeks and that there is a guy who comes in and buys them to decorate his house with. Now I'm wondering if he uses all skull-themed decor or just vegetable skull-themed decor, but I digress. Also, apparently he worships them. At least that's what the cashier said. Now I'm wondering if he worships all corn-related things or just vegetable-related skulls. Oh, well, you guys can ponder that if you want. 
When I got back in the car, I made BFF go inside and see the corn skull. She took a picture of it and we briefly considered buying it, but we ultimately decided not to. Though we had driven off without it, I do believe that the influence of the corn skull stayed with us. The next morning, after we'd attended the Van Gogh experience, we decided to do what every stereotypical New Orleans visitor does and walk down Bourbon Street. We had to park a few streets over, and on our walk to Bourbon, my mother, a super cool ER nurse who is not scared of much of anything, by the way, ended up tripping over some cracked pavement. She's fine, you can laugh, I did, but I asked her if she was okay first. Y'all, when she tripped, I swear she fell for 10 whole minutes. She stumbled, then regained her balance, then lost her balance, then regained it again, then lost it again, and then finally, slowly fell to the ground. Most impressively, she didn't even spill the Dr. Pepper she was holding. It's important to note that it was 11 a.m. and she was sober during this whole ordeal, which made it significantly funnier when she got up and announced that stupid corn skull had cursed us or something. It was at this moment that I decided I needed to go back and buy the stupid corn skull because, of course, the gothic farmer's market-themed table decor couldn't be the cause of bad luck. That's almost as ridiculous as making a skull in the shape of corn in the first place. Oh, how wrong I was. Anyway, we stopped at the same gas station on the way home to purchase the corn skull. It was $18, if you were curious. We named him Cornelius B. Cobb, and he quickly became a well-loved member of our friend group. But this is not where the story ends. After we left the gas station, when we were about an hour and a half from home, the curse of the corn, potential band name, reared its ugly head. It was a little after midnight when BFF and I noticed a car near us acting strange on the long and desolate stretch of highway that we were driving. The car would get right beside us, stay there for a few minutes, and then speed ahead of us for a good distance, and then get in front of me and slam on its brakes. After that, it would slow down and fall back behind us. They did this five or six times before finally getting right behind us and flashing their headlights at us as if they wanted us to pull over. It wasn't like they wanted to pass us because they'd already passed us multiple times. So I do think they were trying to make us pull over. Ladies, if an obsession with true crime and having a police officer for a father has taught me anything, it's that you do not pull over at midnight on a highway in the middle of the woods with little to no phone service. All my lights were working, all my doors were closed, everything in my car seemed to be in working order, so I told BFF that we were not pulling over because we were 20 miles from civilization in both directions, and that I was not getting snatched tonight because the headline would say, two college girls murdered, corn skull found in car, and nobody would be focused on the first part of that headline. Thankfully, we made it home safely, and I found out later that apparently it's a thing to get cars of women to pull over so you can rob and murder them. How delightful, said with full sarcasm. The city we were closest to does not have a great reputation and actually is one of the most dangerous cities in Louisiana, so I know I made the right call by not pulling over. Throughout my college career, I drove that particular stretch of highway twice a week for three years sometimes during broad daylight and sometimes near the witching hour. But nothing like this had ever happened before or since. So what made that particular light? So what made that particular night different from the others? I've thought about it a lot, and there's really only one difference between that night and any other time I was on that stretch of road. The corn skull. Cornelius was buckled up in the back seat because click it or ticket, you know? Do I actually know that this macabre maze decoration was the cause of our creepy encounter? Not at all, but it does make for a good story. And who knows, maybe the corn skull actually kept us safe from murder or kidnapping. Anyway, Cornelius is now an iconic part of our lives and is very useful for getting creeps and annoying guys to stop texting you. Because seriously, what do you even say when someone responds to your lame you up text with a picture of a corn skull? Cornelius B. Cobb now lives on a shelf at one of my friend's houses because my mother won't allow him to cross the threshold of ours since she's still petty that he somehow made her fall in New Orleans. So to conclude this Freaky Friday tale, Cornelius the Corn Skull may have made my mother fall in the streets of New Orleans and may have almost gotten my best friend and me killed, but he has also given me a great Freaky Friday story to send in. So I think the cost benefit works out. Feel free to share pictures of Cornelius with the world because honestly, you just got to see it. 
Also, does a corn skull qualify as a cryptid? Please share your thoughts. Anyway, thank y'all for doing what you do and making my life a lot better with your witty banter and the wonderful way you share stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, please head to our Instagram to see photos of Cornelius B. Cobb. I'm including all three shots that Shelby <laughs> sent us because, honestly, especially the one where he looks like he's maybe on a dashboard of a car. If I was, I, you should have just rolled the window down and waved that out of the driver's window and that car would have driven away. <laughs> he looks yeah. gnarly as fuck. No, he does. So I love that someone decided this needed to exist. <laughs> that this, I touch this it. was the art that spoke to them they're like i must make this i want to touch it so bad and i also want to see the guys home or do i that buys these and then worships them yeah you got to look behind cornelius b cobb and there there's a snapchat like photo that shelby shared with us and there's like a checkerboard skull Mm -hmm. behind the corn cob skull i'm like i'm sure that guy's house is full of that a lot of chalices with dragons and skulls and shit i will say texas gas stations it must be a southern thing because when we travel a lot we um do stop in at gas stations because they do have some good stuff Uh, there's a skull right behind heather right now that has a pirate's hat on that we've got i've got one over here with a viking helmet that's right. Those are skulls at gas stations. <laughs> this one is from Italy, Texas, and we got it on the way to Austin for just for last Moon Tower. And the Viking one we got on our very first tour between mm-hmm. Tacoma and Portland. It was like our first leg of the tour. So that was an uh, Oregon, Washington, Pacific yeah. Northwest Viking skull. <laughs> and then he was on tour with us the rest of the time. We put him on yeah. our table. Man, I I got to meet Cornelius B. Cobb. Like I said, I just want to touch the corn part. It looks like it'd it be does. nice to run your fingers yeah. over. I got to do a little with my nails or something. I want to feel it. I want to feel it. Exactly. It's like a Starbucks cup. You just got to like run your fingers down it. I just need to feel the material. Well, Shelby, that is, you're right though about, both of y'all are right about the Southern gas stations where it's like, I need a cup of ice, a gallon of gas, and a new piece of art for my living room. Oh my gosh. like Scarface. Yeah, Scarface, but also like actual historical. It's like John Wilkes Booth and Scarface are in the same painting somehow. It's wild. like, who decided this? They're like, they're both criminals. And you're like, technically, yeah, yeah. I guess. Ella has, oh, I've had man. to shield her um, okay. on the way to the bathroom several times at gas stations because the art is just all over the place. Lots of clown <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Demonic clowns. Everybody is like, we well, got to stop at Bucky's in Texas. And it's like, oh, it's because Bucky's is great. And it's like, no, it's because there's no demon clowns. It's all just a beaver. <laughs> Everybody so can just walk around and let their guard down because you're not yeah. going to turn the corner and like, wah, at any second. <laughs> but you're going to miss out on a gem like Cornelius mm-hmm. B. Cobb. I think he was watching over y'all. I honestly think he was. I think you, your mom tripped not because Cornelius cursed her i think you were cursed because you didn't have the luck of him and then you later had the luck of him because it made them go back and buy him exactly he was like mom tripped he was like you need me later tonight i'm gonna protect you so and i don't don't think he got almost got y'all killed i think he was protecting you and you knew like don't pull over no the corn knew Look to the, the corn, corn new. And if that, as I'm telling you, if that car would have gotten closer, you could have unhooked him and just waved him in the air and they would have been like, oh, <laughs> what the it's hell? Like, then it's like local bandits crashed on the side of the road <laughs> claiming corn man ran them off the road. <laughs> That's the myth we want to start. Uh huh. I'm <laughs> telling you, it. sometimes I think if people were to come at me in a way like that, if you just start like yelling spells or hexes oh, and yeah. stuff, I feel like somebody might leave you alone. Right, exactly. Just just try to make them more nervous than they make mm-hmm. you nervous. Mm-hmm. And they're like, whoa, I didn't expect that. And you're like, no, you did not. You never oh. expect the Viking skull. <laughs> you don't expect Cornelius B. Cobb ever. It's the beauty of him. <laughs> Stand down. Obey him. Obey the Cobb. Praise the Cobb. Praise Cobb. Praise Cobb. Praise Cobb. There you go. The Church of the Subterranean Vegetable. That's right, the sub-vegetable. They do grow (laughs) in their stalks, and they come right out. Mm -hmm. Well, Shelby, thank you. I cannot thank you enough for sharing the existence of Cornelius B. Cobb with us. I thought you'd like that. This is so fantastic. I did so much shit. It's great. (laughs) I'm only desperately jealous that I don't have one, and I'm going to immediately go on eBay and be like, I feel like we're going to meet one of our own. That's true. I think we're going to meet one. We'll find it. We'll let it it happen. We're going to manifest it. it. 
Well, thank you to everyone that sent in your stories so much. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. If you like our free episodes, you'll love our Patreon bonus content. You can join for free to see what we're up to next or dive into over 500 hours of bonus content, like our recent mini-sode on the murder of Eric Richens, who was allegedly poisoned by his wife, who then later went on to write a book on how to help your kids cope with grief. And then our other one coming up this month is about um, Alexa and Siri being used in court cases. Yeah, it's a we got onto it when we were talking about Lindsay Buziak of like the development of that in the courtroom. And there's been several cases that were groundbreaking on it. We'll talk about you can also head to Sinisterhood.com and click shop on the top banner to check out all manner of Sinisterhood merch, including T-shirts, mugs, totes, stickers and even clothes for your kiddos. You can also review the show, follow us on socials and check out the episode description while you're there for more fun like topic based playlists and links to live show tickets. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. You can follow us on YouTube and TikTok at Sinisterhood Podcast. And check us out on Cameo where you can order a custom video shout out where if you want us to say, hey, good luck, happy birthday, a pep talk, whatever, uh, just let us know and head over to Cameo.com and search Sinisterhood and, and we'll get it done. Absolutely. They're super fun. So fun. Where are you at online, Christy? I'm on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinister. Hope.